Welcome to Immigrant Stories, the podcast. Immigrant Stories is a live show where we mix two very different styles of storytelling. We have true stories told live on stage by immigrants from all over the world who have uprooted their lives and moved to Sweden. We mix those stories with improvised theater. What makes this show unique is the storyteller donates their story to the show and actually contributes themselves as the main character in our improvised long-form performance. So they literally choose an actor who will play them, and when their story ends, we improvise the rest of their life. And this has just been a thrilling mix of storytelling. Now, improv is really best seen live in the moment. However, these true stories can live on, and that's why we have this podcast, to really share these stories with the world and hope they make us feel a little bit more connected. Uh, and I'm Josh Len, and another improviser, Katerina Walbury, will join me, and we will reflect on how these stories touched us and how we use them in the show after we listen to each story. So let's get right into this. Our first storytellers lived in Sweden for eight years. His name is Ramiz Hussain from Bangalore, India. My name is Ramiz. Uh, I come from India, and I've been here for uh, the better part of eight years. Uh, I work here as a programmer, and um, I say a better part of eight years because uh, it's part of the story that I'm going to tell you. Uh, it's something that happened to me about a year ago in August. Uh, I got deported from Sweden uh, because... Um, my employers had not paid my insurances. Uh, it was like a clerical error. I can't really blame them because uh, they didn't uh, know all the rules. They were just fresh companies and they, they just hired a foreigner and they didn't know all the rules. And uh, the migration board uh, thought that my track record of being an employee in Sweden was not perfect. So uh, I had to leave. Uh, so the day that, that I received the letter, I was at home, the letter falls uh, through the letterbox, and I was like, shit, it's from the migration board. The thing is, I had been expe expecting this for a year. It happened to one of my colleagues. So even when it did happen, it was like, ah. <laughs> it wasn't uh, the best experience. But uh, the funny part is, uh, the letter said something to the effect of, it was a very polite thing. Uh, it said, uh, Ramiz, uh, Mr. Ramiz, uh, we invite you to leave the country. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. <laughs> so uh, within a month, uh, I had said my goodbyes, and um, I, was, uh, I was off to India. Um, which is also a funny thing, because like when I was at the airport, I had booked this ticket uh, on Air India to, from Stockholm to New, New Delhi, a direct flight. It was supposed to be the first flight of that connection. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know this. So I went to the lobby to wait, and there's this huge crowd, uh, and uh, it was an inauguration function. And uh, the ambassador was there, there was Bollywood dancing, uh, there, was, there were a couple of celebrities, uh, there was free food, uh, really good food. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, th I thought like, this is like the best deportation ever. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help it. Uh, but, <laughs> so. Uh, so then I went to India. I planned to come back to Sweden because I really like Sweden. Uh, this was the only experience that was off, but uh, I... I um, 
So I was expecting to come back in a, in a couple of months, but uh, they asked me to wait for longer, so I waited for eight months. So, so a couple of things that I learned from this experience is that um, I had to accept what was happening to me. Uh, acceptance, basically, that you know, shit happens, and uh, I need to make the best of the situation. Uh, the second was like I had to choose my battle. Uh, I, my colleague chose to fight, but I cho chose to not fight because it wasn't really worth it. Uh, and then I went to India. I thought, you know, uh, maybe staying at home with family and friends would be a good change after a long time, after seven years. Uh, I started freelancing. I uh, started uh, doing some yoga. I took that seriously. I uh, took my hobbies seriously. I started uh, uh, drawing again. Uh, I took my art seriously. Uh, and I did some improv also in Bangalore. Uh, so yeah, and then like, I also learned not to generalize. It became more clear this time, actually. Uh, a lot of my friends were asking me, oh, has your view of Sweden changed uh, about Swedish people? I was like, not really, because uh, some of the people who supported me through that, uh, my friends uh, and uh, my colleagues, my employer, many of them were Swedish. Even the media, they reported the stuff, uh, uh, like the Swedish media reported the stuff. Uh, and like, I've, I didn't feel any like isolated or anything, it was very supportive. But uh, yeah, and then now I'm back. I'm back because I feel like uh, Sweden is right for me uh, as a person. Uh, and like, I can be and do who, uh, who I am, what I, can, what I like, my hobbies, I, I'm free to do it when I want. And uh, the work-life balance is great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's my story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. here to play the Ramiz in the story, um, but what, uh, what stood out for you in the story when you heard it? What really stood out for me was that tonight's theme, the theme of that night was crossroads, and clearly being deported gave Ramiz this huge crossroads in life, like what do I do now? Do I stay in India, uh, or do I do something else? And he actually chose to go back to Sweden. And I think that is a really courageous choice and the fact that he didn't choose to blame Sweden mm. and be negative towards Sweden. Uh, instead, he chose to look at all the positive things and that Swedes were actually fighting for him. Mm. Um, and seeing it from that lens, that optimistic, like glass half full lens, I thought it was really special as a person, as a personality trait, uh, rather than playing the blame game and just being pissed off. You know, maybe he had some of that, there was a time, we don't know. Uh, but the fact that he did choose to come back, I thought was really stuck out for me of who he is mm. as a person. Yeah. What about you? What went through your mind? Uh, I mean, I think the the obvious funny stuff of like the the deportation letter. <laughs> you're invited to <laughs> to leave this country that we of course played with a lot in the in the show, um, and uh, yeah, and the, the best deportation ever. I mean, I think it was just <laughs> hilarious uh, and very <laughs> unexpected. Um, uh, yeah, that was just wonderful. Yeah, 
Totally. So you initiated the first scene. Um, do you want to talk about that? I did. Uh, I initiated the first scene as Ramiz coming home to his family, mm-hmm. and I was his father. And being a father myself, I just, when I heard his story, I thought, how wonderful it must have felt after having your son gone for seven years to ha- to reunite and have him come home and know that he's going to be home for a little while. Uh, you know, even though he was deported, that as a father, you'd probably secretly be happy and just want to, like, hold your son. And I think that first scene was just really not a lot of talking. It was just more of an emotional... Mm hug of just holding him and supporting him and knowing that it must have been really hard Mm. to be deported and thrown out of a country where clearly like you're thriving Mm. and things are going really well and just to like be that person to give him a hug and then also love the fact that he was there yeah that was beautiful it was also fun for those of you didn't see the show that when he moved back to Sweden, his his whole family <laughs> moved after him to try and be with him. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and then all of Sweden's citizens were invited to leave the country. Yes. Yes. Everyone got deported. <laughs> and that's what's special about improv is um, crazy stuff happens. Uh, that yeah. is amazing to see in the moment. And uh, if you really want to see what we do with these stories, definitely come and see a show live. Yes, please do. We got uh, four more in October. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's dive right into the next story. Yes, let's. Our next storyteller is Tannis Bestland. She's from Manitoba, Canada, and she's been living in Sweden for twenty years. July 3rd this year was a really um, major milestone in my personal immigrant story because it was the 20th anniversary of the day that I left Canada for Sweden. And uh, yeah, that's quite shocking. I mean, even though I've been here all this time, it's still kind of, wow, 20 years. How could that, how did that happen? That was never the plan. When I look back at it and I think of how it all started when I met my Swede in Vancouver when I was doing my master's degree. Um, Yeah, we just, you know, we we really liked each other. We fell in love. His program was over and we weren't really ready to get married. So we thought, well, we could go to Sweden without getting married. For him to stay in Canada, we would have had to get married. So we went to the the consulate in Vancouver and, and it was just a quick chat basically with a woman there and suddenly within a short period of time I had a I had a permit to live and work in Sweden and I was a little bit unsure at first because I thought I don't really want to be I don't you know I don't really want to just follow a man like some kind of lovesick puppy all the way to Sweden and just be sitting somewhere while he works and just waiting for him to come home every day so I thought I have to find something to do there so I started doing some research and I found an International Institute here in Stockholm uh, that had an internship program and I applied and I got accepted so everything was in place and it looked great and I gave up my apartment and I uh, 
gave up my job and I sold off most of my belongings. And then just a week or two before I was supposed to get on the plane, with my one-way ticket, non-refundable, I found out the internship was canceled. And I thought, or like it didn't work out, long story, but it didn't work out, I wasn't getting the internship. And I thought, oh shit, what am I gonna do now? Because I've given up everything. I don't wanna be a lovesick puppy, but okay. I guess I'm gonna go and see what it's like and hopefully it'll sort itself out. So I got on the plane and I came to Sweden and it was July 3rd, 1998. And it was the worst summer basically on record. It rained the whole summer, it was freezing cold. My boyfriend just had a new job, so he was working all the time. We had nowhere to live, so we were house sitting for relatives of his out in the suburbs. And everybody was away on vacation, of course, so it was just dead out there. And so I would sit every day with my teach yourself Swedish CDs, and I would <laughs> try to teach myself Swedish and wash the rain, run down the windows. And I would feel very tragic and sorry for myself. And when it got to be too much, I would take out my favorite CD, which I realize most of you, unless we have any Canadians in the audience, probably won't know what I'm talking about. But there's a band from the, the 90s called the Matthew Good Band, and they have a song called Indestructible. And I would put on that song and turn it up loud, and I would tell my, I would sing along, of course, and remind myself, I am indestructible, I can do this, and somehow I'm gonna make this work. So when I wasn't in the suburbs doing that, every now and again I would venture into, under an umbrella into the city and I would try to do a bit of sightseeing without any money because I didn't have any at that time. Um, and I would see Swedish people and I would think it was so weird because they all looked the same. They all dressed the same, they had the same haircuts. That particular summer it was a, like rolling up your pants to a, I think it was white jeans and everybody rolled them to a certain level and they had the same shoes and it was just all very confusing for me because Vancouver is very diverse. I'm not from Vancouver, but Vancouver is very diverse, but even the tiny town I come from in, in Manitoba, we have immigrants from everywhere. So people are different and they eat different things and they do different things and everything was just so uniform here and I thought it was so weird. But what I realized was, shit, you know what? In order to, to survive here, I think I'm gonna have to find a way to fit in, you know? Because this is just the way Swedish society is. There's like the right way to do things and all other ways are the wrong way. So you just have to make yourself do it. So I signed up for the Swedish lessons and I bought into the, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes thing. And I got the wardrobe and I ate the pickled herring and the boiled eggs and I just committed myself to it. And within a couple of years, you know, I spoke Swedish and I had a good job and then suddenly, you know, the years roll by and I had, you know, I turned 30. So of course, immediately I had a kid and then I had one more two years later and I did all the right things and everything was just going smoothly and it looked great from the outside. But at a certain point, I realized that this whole fitting in thing that had seemed so incredibly important to make a life here was actually making me pretty miserable because I realized, you know, I'm just, I'm not being myself. I'm just trying to be like everybody else. This doesn't make any sense. This isn't who I am. So for example, I had a corporate job and I, the only way I could get through it though was that every time, um, every time the kid, the, I have to, yeah, I have the two kids, they have their school break. So every school break, I would have to book a foreign vacation and just like, you know, cross the days off the calendar. Every, like, okay, well, okay, now that vacation's over, but I've got the next one booked and then I'm just crossing the days off. So like daily life was just a misery and I just realized this is no way to live, you know? You can't just be so focused on fitting in and being like everybody else. So anyway, 
end of the story is that I finally realized that I had to make a choice again. You know, I chose, I made that big choice to, I'm going to do these things to fit in. And then I had to make a choice to give up on fitting in and instead focus on being me again. So, um, and I've done that. And what I've discovered, uh, you know, I, I actually ended up having to give up my corporate job and I've started working as a freelance writer instead. And I signed up for improv lessons and I've been doing more creative writing and doing all these things that make me much happier. And I realized, oddly, that I think I was wrong already back then, all those years ago. And I probably didn't need to try so hard to fit in because I'm not trying so hard anymore to fit in. And that seems to be working out too. So you don't have to fit in even in Sweden, even if you're an immigrant. That's the moral of the story. Okay. <laughs> Katarina, after hearing this story and knowing that Tannis chose you to play her, what was going through your mind? Um, I was really excited to be picked to play Tannis. Um, I think even before she told her story, I was like, yes. Uh, and then, of course, in the story, I, w I felt super inspired um, because... Uh, she had a story that was really um, about, you know, learning to not give a shit. That's how I interpreted it. Um, and I really felt like that, you know, after hearing it, I was like, I didn't have a specific idea of where I wanted to take it. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to, to work on the indestructible uh, thing of like not caring too much about fitting in and just being super confident and going for what I wanted. Uh, and I think it was appealing for so many reasons. Like I think that's something that I work on personally uh, to, uh, you know, like I think fitting in and being understood and being liked and all those things uh, are really uh, issues that I think about a lot and also issues that I try to like to you know I try to not give it so much focus which is really hard you know in life um so I uh it was like oh this is an adventure of like I'm just gonna go out there with lots of confidence and and uh and not fit in Cool. And then being Swedish and growing up in Sweden, mm -hmm. did the things she said about being uniform and fitting mm -hmm. into that resonate with you as something you recognized? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it also, I mean, I think it's something that you notice more when you've been abroad and then you come back, especially what she said about everyone being the same. And I think I had, uh, in, and I remember this summer in 98, um, it was a horrible summer, it rained all the time, and it was the, probably the worst summer of my life, too. Uh, I, was, I had this uh, really shitty job at an ice cream cafe in Gamla Stan. Uh, so maybe, who knows, maybe you kind of stopped by <laughs> her, you know, uh, cruising around the city. Uh, and uh, the summer before, I had been in Spain, and 
you know, I, I actually the whole year before I was in Spain. So I was thinking a lot about that and being like, fuck, what, what am I doing in Sweden when I can be somewhere else where there are people who are not all the same and who are, um, you know, uh, just more fun. So I think like when she when she told the story about that summer, I was like I instantly got back to to that mm. um, point in my life too. So it sounds like there was a lot of personal things you could draw on, mm. and it sounds like you felt really empowered by this character. Yes, absolutely. It was like personal development. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some kind of therapy. Yeah, totally. Because you were attacking it right from the get go. Yeah, I was, and I was, you know, never. I didn't step down. You know, I was in prison when we played the story. I ended up in prison at some point, but I was still like. <laughs> yeah, you were leading a movement yeah. in prison. Yeah. So. So that's great. Sounds mm. like you had a lot of fun with this. I mean, I know you did because I was on stage with you. Mm. Um, and just from my perspective, uh, I felt like I have lived out her story. Mm. Uh, the first summer I came here in the summer, the first summer I spent here, it rained a lot. I was alone a lot because uh, my wife was working and I spent a lot of time trying to learn Swedish uh, tripping out on how the uniformity and the conformity and just feeling sometimes like I wanted to scream mm. uh, from it all and also feeling like extremely lonely uh, in it yeah. sometimes. Um, so it really touched, her story really touched something deep inside of me when I heard it mm. and it was really fun to see you play it out. And it was fun to be your one Canadian friend, uh, which was interesting because I didn't want you uh, to, you know, I, I felt safe in you fitting in. Like yeah. I knew where you, we were both in Sweden and you were fitting in and I was fitting in and then all of a sudden you were doing something different. Mm -hmm. uh, I was that guy who was like, hey, I was trying to hold you back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was good. But that pushed you even further, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I think it was also interesting how I was, you know, I didn't really have in my story there were no family at all, mm. uh, and I think you know partly maybe it was because of her story of like she didn't want to move to Sweden and be a, a lovesick sick puppy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was like okay, I you know this is my story or this is Tana's story. It's not about uh, you know all the the family relations, uh, which would have been natural to include otherwise, I think. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Immigrant Stories, the podcast. If you want to come and see some of these stories live, combined with our improv, don't miss our shows. We have four more coming up this October. You can get more information at internationaltheater.se. That is theater spelled the American way, T-H-E-A-T-E-R.se. You can find us on social at International Theater Stockholm on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. We're at at It's Stockholm, I-T-S-S-T-H-L-M. Please let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and we'd love to see you at our shows October 12th, 13th, 19th, and 20th, 2018, Immigrant Stories. I'm Josh Len, and you also heard Katarina Wahlberg. 
Special thanks to our musician, Marcus Sturewall, for giving us this amazing music for the podcast, and to our storytellers, Ramiz Hussein and Tanis Besland. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with another podcast after the weekend.